0: 40% of parents with a learning disability are not living with their children. That stat you just heard was from back in 2005. I got it from um, a key facts and figures document produced by the organisation Working Together with Parents Network. And of course, some of these children might have left home, but still, it's a very high figure. Hello, and welcome back. That stat you just heard was from a report written back in 2005. I got it from some documents produced by the Working Together With Parents Network. Of course, some of these children might have left home, but still the figure is shocking. And I imagine it's probably just the tip. This podcast is part of a mini-series I'm doing on working with parents with learning difficulties. I know from my work at St Michael's that parents with learning difficulties are really worried about asking for help in case they come to the attention of social services. And figures show that children of parents with a learning disability are more likely than any other group of children to be removed from their parents' care. Why is this and is it justified? What other ways could we be supporting these parents? Today, I'm talking to Gillian McIntyre, a senior lecturer at Strathclyde University, who specialises in working with parents with learning disabilities and mental health problems. First, I wanted to understand why there might be an increase in the number of parents with learning disabilities.
1: One of the main reasons why there's been an increase in parents with learning disabilities is actually a fairly lengthy process that is associated with deinstitutionalisation. institutionalization So um, essentially what happened was um, previously people with learning disabilities would have been more likely to live um, in an institutional setting or a group home setting. Um, whereas now people are much more likely to live at home in their local communities. I think there's been a change in expectations. So I think people with learning disabilities themselves will, will, will be thinking, I have the right to family life in the same way as anyone else. So there's a change in expectations, but there's also a change in opportunities. So there's greater opportunity now for people with learning disabilities to form and establish relationships and and therefore have children.
0: I know that your research showed that children of parents with a learning difficulty or disability are more likely to be removed. Why is that?
1: I think the research is well established that shows that people with learning disabilities are um, less likely to parent their own children. They're much more likely to be subject to child protection measures, for example, than than other parents are, and are much more likely to have their children removed from their care. The biggest concern seems to be around a concept called neglect by omission. So what is very clear is that parents with learning disabilities are not necessarily deliberately harming or abusing their children, but perhaps don't have the parenting skills or capacity to parent their children adequately without additional support. And often that support hasn't been forthcoming for families because what we do know is that people with learning disabilities can and do become good enough parents when they have appropriate support in place. And an example of that is evidence which shows If there is another family member involved, for example, in supporting a parent with a learning disability to care for their child, such as a grandparent, for example, that parent is much more likely to have their child living with them. So this idea of neglect by omission relates primarily to a lack of parenting skills and a lack of support to enable parents to develop those skills.
0: So does that mean that children of um, parents with learning disabilities are more likely to be at risk?
1: I do think that parents with learning disabilities are, yes, I think you're right. I think parents with learning disabilities are more likely to to be at risk. And obviously the the learning disability itself is a primary consideration in terms of the extent to which that parent has the capacity to develop parenting skills. But there are a number of other important factors um, at play as well. So often, for example, a parent with a learning disability may not have positive parenting experiences of their own to draw on. So they may have also come from a household where their own parents had difficulties in parenting adequately. So that's that's one consideration. We also know that parents with learning disabilities live very complex lives. Um, and often they are subject to multiple layers of, of disadvantage. So they, for example, they're much more likely to be living in poverty, they're much more likely to experience stigma and discrimination, much less likely to be in employment, for example, and also much more likely to be at risk from abuse themselves. And what we do know, what some evidence tells us is that women with learning disabilities in particular are often deliberately targeted because they're seen as potentially vulnerable um, and are often deliberately targeted by men who may have a previous history of abuse, for example. So we know that women who are isolated, particularly socially isolated, are more at risk of harm than than those who aren't so isolated.
0: So, so how how do you think um the local authorities can strike a balance between not stigmatizing parents because of a learning uh, disability and keeping children safe
1: okay well i i think um there's a number of of ways um, in in which they can do that i think it's important to see first of all that um Obviously, the safety of the child um, is is paramount. But I think one of the particular challenges and problems that we have currently is that there's a very um, significant fragmentation, if you like, between children's and adult services. So often a parent with a learning disability, their learning disability itself may be fairly mild. And as a result of that, they may not be entitled to receive support in their own right as as an adult with a learning disability. And that means that what happens is that adult doesn't have support. And so um, the focus then of the intervention becomes on child safety and child protection measures. And what we know from our research is that social workers who work in children and families teams tell us that they don't necessarily have the skills or the expertise, or at least they think they don't have the skills and expertise to work with adults with learning disabilities. They feel concerned about issues around communication, for example, and a lack of adequate training. So what that means is the focus becomes very much on child protection and the adult's needs are not really taken into account at all. So what we have argued in in our research is that what needs to happen is that we need to look at the family as a whole. So what we've termed that as taking a whole family approach, so that we're not looking at either the child or the adult in isolation, but we're looking at the needs of the the whole family. And if we're able to do that, um, we think that there's a much better likelihood of being able to provide support before we get to the point of, crisis intervention as a result of child protection measures.
0: So are parents with learning difficulties judged differently to other parents?
1: So a, a former student of mine um, came back to have a, a consultation about working with a parent with a learning disability and what we kind of realised as part of that conversation is that um, parents with learning disabilities are often judged um with a higher threshold or higher standards, if you like, than parents who who don't have a learning disability. And often our expectations of what a parent with a learning disability might be able to do are unrealistic. So in this particular case, this was um, a young mum who um, had already had one child removed from her care previously. Um, She went on to have Um, another child and social work um, decided to do um, an assessment to um, look at her parenting capacity. Um, They'd raised a number of concerns um, primarily around um, the ability of this mum to be able to protect her child from harmful influences, um, primarily from her partner but also from, from other family members. Um, and this this social worker who was speaking to me said, I've asked this mum, what are you doing to keep yourself safe? You need to tell me what you do to keep yourself safe. And I just found it a really kind of powerful example of the unrealistic expectations and perhaps the unfair way in which we often judge people with learning disabilities because it struck me that if this was a a a mum or a woman who didn't have a learning disability, who was experiencing domestic violence, we would be unlikely to ask her the same question and we would be unlikely to pass all of the responsibility for keeping herself safe solely onto her. And so I kind of turned things around and I said to the the social worker, actually, do you need to ask yourself what you're doing to support this young mum to keep herself safe? And I think that's the really important point here is about the shared responsibilities that that we have um, when we're working with people with learning disabilities to to offer support and to point people in the direction of other. If we can't provide our support ourselves, that we're able to point people in the direction of other organisations or resources who may be able to help.
0: Okay. Um that's brilliant. Thank you. And I was just wondering what advice you would give to social workers or up and coming sort of social work students about um, working with parents with learning difficulties?
1: Okay. Well, I think um, the first thing that I would say is take the time to stop and, and, and look at the family. As I said, look at the family as a whole and take time to actually get to, to know that parent. I think often we see the label of learning disability and we make our minds up at that point that this person will not have the, the capacity to parent. Um, and therefore what we need to do is to look at ways in which we can remove the child quickly as possible because that's in the best interests of, of, of everyone involved. And what I would say is, is I'm not suggesting that... Um, every parent with a learning disability does have the capacity to parent or can develop that capacity. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is, please don't be kind of, um, please don't let that label of learning disability overshadow everything else that's going on in, in that parent's life. So I think that we have to take a holistic approach that looks at that individual as a person first, um, well, a learning disability is part of that person's identity. There's lots of other things who, that are important in that person's life too. So I would say take time, stop take time to get to know that person. Try to develop a relationship with that person. Um, try to develop trust with that person. Because what our, our, a lot of our research has said is that often People with learning disabilities or parents rather with learning disabilities are, are, are very frightened of social work because they have that image in their head as social work are the people who come and take your children away. Um, so it's about trying to kind of challenge that, that conception that, that, that people have and try to take time to build trust and build that relationship that will allow you to look at the family as, as a whole um, rather than seeing this pre- predominantly as a child protection case.
0: Yeah, it's um, it can be difficult though. I suppose um, what 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 we hear sometimes is you know social workers have big caseloads. How do you how do you balance the kind of caseloads that you've got with getting to know a family? Yeah, I, I think that's a
1: really significant challenge for for social workers. I think you're right. I think people have big caseloads that make What I've suggested might not necessarily be realistic for all social workers. Another um, important consideration is the the timescales involved um, in terms of a lot of statutory measures, um, a lot of court proceedings, for example, reports that have to be written, assessments that have to be carried out have to be done within a very short timescale. And actually, we often see that as being in the best interests of the child, to take action as as quickly as as possible. Um, So I I do recognise that for social workers, they may not have the luxury of spending lots of time getting to know a parent, because we do know, um, don't we, that that building relationships and establishing trust can take a really significant amount of time. And actually, that's where I think the third sector comes in, Um, And there's lots of really good examples of really good practice where third sector organizations, often where staff have specialist expertise in working with people with learning disabilities, can take that holistic and flexible approach um, and can build that relationship so that they do is have an established relationship with the parent. So I think what's important there is about social workers working in partnership with other agencies who, perhaps because of the way that they've been funded, might have that additional bit of flexibility, which means that they can work with people over a longer period of time.
0: That was me talking to Gillian McIntyre, Senior Lecturer at Strathclyde University. In our next episode, I speak to Sue McGraw, a clinical psychologist who created PAMS, an assessment tool professionals use with parents with learning difficulties giving them the chance to have a fair assessment. Our teams at St. Michael's are big fans of the PAMs. I'm looking forward to that conversation. See you soon. Here at St. Michael's, we give children the best start in life by working directly with their parents. If you'd like some more information, you can check out our website. and uh, The link's in the bio. It's stmichaelsfellowship.org.uk. Thank you for listening.